This is the way we ought to look upon the Holy Spirit. We ought to develop a passion, a love in our heart for this wonderful third person of the Trinity who's baptized us into the body of Christ, who's sealed us so we don't fall out. And he's done many other wonderful things that we don't have time to get into. Let's open our Bibles up to Acts chapter 4. And for the last number of Sunday mornings, I've been dealing with the subject of the Holy Spirit. We talked about the Holy Spirit being the greatest teacher. Uh, We talked about the Holy Spirit being the greatest guide, the greatest leader, the greatest comforter. Last Sunday, we talked about uh, the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost and the birthday of the church. Last Sunday's morning message was a little more doctrinal. We looked at a lot of different scriptures and we, we looked at some, some of the Greek behind some of the words just so that we could get a better understanding. We profess to be men and women of the book. We, we ought to be. Christians ought to be a, like a, a one book kind of person. And it's God's book, the Bible. We ought to believe in the Bible and the Bible only. Not the Bible plus philosophy. Not the Bible plus the writings of the early church fathers. Not the Bible plus the writings of Mary Baker there, whatever, any of the other uh, modern Christian cults. But we ought to believe the Bible and the Bible only. And there are so many people that will tell you, don't study the Bible. What a joke. What a mistake. We ought to be experts at the Bible. We ought to be reading it every day and studying it. And the Holy Spirit can help us to understand the Bible because the Holy Spirit is like a built-in Bible teacher. And so, we've been talking about our need for the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. And I want to underscore that again. That's important, folks. The Holy Spirit's work in our lives. It's what He is able to do in us and through us. I'm going to ask you a question. I don't want to see any raise of hands or anything, but have you ever in your Christian life experienced a non-charismatic encounter with the Holy Spirit? Now, my guess is that many of you have. My guess also is that many of you haven't. Daniel Iverson was born in 1890. He got saved at an early age and felt called to the ministry and he went to the Moody Bible Institute and he trained there and he got into the ministry, became a pastor. In 1926, uh, he would have been 36 years of age, he went to Orlando, Florida to listen to the preaching of the George T. Stevens evangelistic team. And while he was there, they preached on the Holy Spirit. And he was so moved in his heart that he went back to his room and sat down at a piano and he composed the words to the hymn, Spirit of the Living God, fall afresh on me. That's where it came from. And since 1926, this song, Spirit of the Living God, has been sung around the world millions and millions of times. 
It has blessed so many, many Christians and resulted in more consecration to God. Christian victory and glory to God. Well, today I'd like to conclude our little mini-series on the Holy Spirit with this title, Spirit of the Living God, Fall Afresh on Me. So, let's begin with prayer. Our Father, in Jesus' name, we ask that you would help us, instruct us, and teach us the necessity and the how-tos of being Spirit-filled Christians every day. Now, dear Father, this particular message I know is very dear to my heart, but I approach it with fear and trembling. Help me not to make a mistake. Help me not to convey something that's not right. I pray for every one of us gathered here and everyone who's watching over the internet on, at home. That you would see fit to open the eyes of our understanding and to allow us to experience the filling of the Holy Spirit and to have an encounter with this wonderful third person of the Trinity. Please bless with grace and peace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, for 2,000 years now, the Holy Spirit has been doing some pretty amazing things, some wonderful, wonderful works, and He does them through these consecrated Bible-believing churches filled with consecrated Bible-believing Christians. And He's been doing this for 2,000 years, but since the beginning of Pentecostalism, which had its roots in 1901, so that's 120 years ago, Pentecostalism began. And perhaps even more emphatically, since the beginning of the Charismatic Movement, which started in 1960. So that's, uh, what do we got there? 40, 50, 61 years ago. Since the beginning of these two movements, there's been a lot of confusion about the baptism and the filling of the Holy Spirit. A ton, ton o confusion, ton of confusion. Sadly, some of this confusion actually began with well-intentioned, good Bible-preaching ministers of the late 1800s. D.L. Moody is a favorite preacher of mine. He's long since gone to be with the Lord, but he, he was a wonderful servant of God. I have several books on his life, but Moody made the mistake of interchanging, switching the terms and what he experienced as the filling of the Holy Spirit, he called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this was a mistake. He seemed to prefer that term. And you must understand that back in the 1880s, there was no charismatic confusion. There was none of this that we have today. And so the people sitting under Moody's ministry, they would hear him preach about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it sounded good to them, and they just received it, and it seemed to catch on. And it, so it became a, a very common handle, if you will, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but it was the beginning of the confusion. Um, over the last hundred years, a lot of nonsense has been taught, and as a result of that, all that nonsense Unfortunately, good churches, good Bible-believing churches have taken the pendulum and swung it the opposite way to the point where we never hear about the Holy Spirit in our churches. And consequently, 
we've stopped preaching about the filling of the Holy Spirit. And by doing this, what we've done is we have unplugged ourselves from the great power of God. That's what we've done. Folks, we have to get our power back. We have to get what they had in the first century. We must get our power back. We must get the daily filling of the Holy Spirit. It must be upon us. But first, we need to know the difference between the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit. And for this, I'd like to invite you to turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. We're coming back to Acts chapter 4. We're coming back there. But go to 1 Corinthians, and I'd like you to go to chapter 12. So after Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and verse number 13 pretty much says it all. 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. 12 verse 13. Would you please read that verse out loud with me now, please? Verse 13. Here we go. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. Notice the capital S, Spirit. It's a reference to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does the baptizing. Here you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who does the baptizing. For by one Spirit. That tells us it's the Holy Spirit who does the baptizing. It's not by a preacher. It's not by a prophet. It's not by the Pope. It's by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does the baptizing and He baptizes us into a body. That's what it says in verse 13. Now this body is a reference to the body of Christ. Look back one verse, verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members and all the members of that uh, one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. It's the body of Christ. We are the body. He is the head. Isn't it nice to have a head on a body? Amen? Don't say amen if you don't have a head. <laughs> sure, it's nice to have a complete body, isn't it? And Christ is the head, and we are the body. We are His body. And the Holy Spirit baptized us organically into His body. Boy, His body's got a lot of parts to it, doesn't it? But that's all right. Our bodies have a lot of parts to them too. And so the body of Christ has a lot of parts. All Christians have been baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ when they were saved. If you're here today or if you're watching online and there's a time in your life where you've experienced that born-again process, you've repented of your sin and trusted in the Lord Jesus to save you, He came into your heart and all of a sudden you may not be able to explain it, but all things are new. You're a new creature in Christ. You're born again. At that moment, a lot of different things happened to you. And one important thing that happened was the Holy Spirit took you and baptized you into the body of Christ. You are now organically connected with Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news? Yes. Amen. But that's not all that the Holy Spirit does. 
He does many things. And another thing the Holy Spirit does is He seals us. We're not only baptized into the body, but we're sealed. And I'd like you to turn to the right to the book of Ephesians. And we'll take a quick look at this. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Please look at verse 13. Uh, Verse 12 talks about trusting in Christ. Verse 13, "...in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation." in whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance. Earnest means like a down payment. Until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. Look also at chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. It says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit does many things for us, folks. One is He baptizes us into the body of Christ. We're now organically connected with Jesus Christ. Number two, He seals us. You say, why does He seal us? So we don't fall out. Boy, that's security if you ask me. It's a wonderful thing to be sealed. You go to the grocery store, to the meat department, you buy a selection of meat, and the grocer there will take it, weigh it, whatever, get what you want, put it on one of those little styrofoam trays, and then he seals it with that plastic, right? It's sealed, so it ain't going to fall off the tray onto the floor. And you take it, put it in your grocery cart, you pay for it, you take it home, and then when you get home, you unseal it. Well, when you and I get to heaven, that's when we get unsealed. We are sealed unto the day of redemption. That's good news. That's good news. Don't let the devil fool you. He's going to try and tell you if you've prayed and you've trusted Christ, you've seen some changes in your life, there's evidence of salvation, the devil comes and says, ah, it's not real. You were just being a phony baloney. You know you've told lies before. This is just another one of your lies. And he'll try and trick you. Well, what you need to do is you need to go to the book of 1 John. Don't do this now, but when you get home, go to 1 John, that's at the end of the Bible, and start reading through those five chapters. And in those five chapters, you will start finding all the evidence of a Christian, all the evidence of new life. You compare these evidences with you. That is your assurance. That plus the promise of God when he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So, hooray, we've been baptized into the body of Christ. Double hooray, we're not going to fall out. We've been sealed in there. Oh, praise the Lord for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit did these things for us, and we didn't even know they were happening. He did. He knew what we needed, and He did it for us. Hallelujah. Boy, I tell you, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, He's like a silent partner. But he sure works behind the scenes and he brings honor and glory to God the Father and God the Son. That's what he does. That's his job. So we've been baptized. If you're saved, you are, you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You got it. We've been sealed, but now what we need, here it comes, what we need is the filling of the Holy Spirit every day. The filling of the Holy Spirit every day. If you ask my humble opinion, 
I think that too many of us, far, far too many of us, are going day after day after day with no filling of the Holy Spirit. And it is happening, I think, because a a lot of our churches, our Bible-believing churches, when they've seen all of the charismatic confusion, they've swung the pendulum too far the other way. And now you never even hear about the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit, Old Testament and New. We're going to look at that in just a moment. But let's go back, please, to Acts chapter 4. Go back there. We're going to take a quick look at what happened there in Acts chapter 4 and what it's talking about, how it applies to us. Acts chapter 4, the story is that uh, the apostles, particularly Peter and John, had been arrested by the Jewish council because of their preaching Jesus. And the council, they couldn't find any way to punish them, so they threatened them. And they said, don't you ever teach or preach in this name ever again. And then they let them go. And so these two apostles went back and joined up with their company, which is the other ten apostles. And they got together in a house and they rehearsed all what what they said. And I'm telling you, they were frightened. They were scared. They had been threatened. And so what they did was, they got on their knees and they prayed. Father, look what they're doing. Please, do something. And God answered their prayers. And we'll we'll look at it again here. Chapter 4 and verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken. Now please, don't think that every time you get down and pray for the power of God, that your house is going to shake. You wouldn't want that. That's expensive. But wherever they were, I guess it must have been okay. But it happened here. The place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. doesn't say they spoke in tongues. They spake the word of God with boldness. Well, there's other things here that we could learn from the passage, but I think that's enough. Um, Being filled with the Holy Spirit Get this, being filled with the Holy Spirit is not something spooky. If you have never experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit, you might think, well, I'm not sure I'm ready for that. I mean, I don't want, you know, the Spirit taking over me and all of a sudden, you know, I I have a mental lapse and I, I wake up the next day and I say, what happened, what happened? And people tell me, don't you know? Don't you know what you just did? Don't you know how you stood out in the street corner and did this, that, and the other thing? Praising the name of Jesus? Well, that's not the filling of the Holy Spirit, folks. You're not going to have a mental lapse. You're not going to lose your mind. You're not going to lose your will. It's not like you're going to become a zombie. That has nothing to do with the filling of the Holy Spirit. You will absolutely retain all your mental faculties. In fact, you may even get one or two more with the filling of the Holy Spirit. But what the Holy Spirit will do for you is when He is in control, that's the filling, that's what it means. When He's in control, you will have the fruit of the Spirit, the love. You will be filled with love and joy and peace and energy. He will fill you with energy and boldness. Why? So that you can go to the Father and pray the promises of God so that you can go to your friends and let your light shine. That's the filling of the Holy Spirit. Again, some of the 
the charismatic confusion is they liken the Holy Spirit to a liquid. And they look at you and they say, you're down a quart. That's your problem. You're down about two liters or something. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Folks, be sensible. The Holy Spirit is not a liquid. The Holy Spirit is a person. And the idea of filling is the same as we use it today. Wow, we need, a, we need someone to fill the office of pastor. We need someone to fill the office of the prime minister. We need someone to fill the office of the president. That's what the filling is, where the Holy Spirit now is able to take over, take control. Now you come to this church, I happen to be the pastor, so I have filled the office of pastor here in the church. So does that mean you've lost your mind? I hope not. Does that mean you've lapsed and you have no sense of time? I hope not. You're sitting there, full, fa full faculties, you know everything that's going on, and that's the same when the Holy Spirit will fill the office of chief in your heart. You see, you need to let the Holy Spirit take over. And when you do, your life will change. Well, going back to D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody, for many years, was serving the Lord and was never filled with the Holy Spirit. Imagine that. He was serving the Lord and he was doing some great stuff, but he was never filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was many years before he even learned about the filling of the Holy Spirit. And he was serving full time without the filling of the Holy Spirit. And then in about, uh, I guess it was 1870, two ladies came to him and said, Mr. Moody, we're praying for you. And he said, uh, oh, what are you praying for me for? We're praying that you be filled with the Holy Spirit. These two ladies. And Moody's first response was a mistake. And he said to the ladies, don't pray for me, pray for those lost people. They said, no, we're going to pray for you. And they kept on praying for him. And as they prayed, Moody started to feel in his heart an emptiness. He started to learn about other humble preachers that were, were accomplishing incredible things because it wasn't them doing it, it was God doing it through them. And Moody was learning about this on a trip to England. He met with Spurgeon and told Spurgeon the great things that he was doing. And Spurgeon told Moody, Brother Moody, it's not what you can do for God. It's what God can do through you. And all of this testimony started working in his heart and he became very restless, deciding that he was in need of more of the power of God working through him. He would see a couple saved here and one saved there and two or three saved over there. And these two ladies were praying for him for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Well, around 1871, in fact, October of 1871, and that would be, uh, uh, carry the one, 150 years ago this month, Chicago burned down. They had the great Chicago fire. Most of Chicago burned. A good portion of Chicago burned down. Everything of Moody's burned down and went up in smoke. That man was absolutely devastated and we could understand why. And he was so feeling helpless 
And he knew he had to rebuild. And so he went to New York and he was going to visit wealthy Christian businessmen to ask them if they would give. But he said his heart wasn't in it. And he was so alone and so helpless that there on the streets of New York City, he felt an incredible urge to get alone with God. And he, literally his heart was breaking. He went and knocked on the door of a friend's home and borrowed a room and got alone with God in that room. And he doesn't know for how long he was there. But he prayed and he wept and he wept and he prayed and he begged God to help him with his emptiness and with his powerlessness. And Moody says that God met him in that room and he experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit for the first time in his life. He went back to Chicago and being an evangelist, he went back to preaching. Only this time, instead of seeing one saved, two saved, he started seeing dozens saved at his meetings. And then later on, it wasn't dozens, it was hundreds that were being saved at his meetings. And this is what D.L. Moody is known for. For having turned upwards of a million people toward Jesus Christ. The filling of the Holy Spirit. It started because Moody's heart was empty and he felt passionate that he needed the power of God in his life. Moody developed a passion for the Holy Spirit to be in control of his life. So my question for you today, how passionate are you? How passionately do you want the Holy Spirit to take over? You're behind the wheel and you're going from one disaster to another, it feels like, and bam, bam, you're hitting all the potholes, and the Holy Spirit is there in the seat beside you. How long will it be before you say, Holy Spirit, do you think you could take over? I'm finding every pothole, I've hit two lampposts, and I, I missed one pedestrian. Huh. By the grace of God, Holy Spirit, can you please help out? Can you please take over? That's the idea, folks, of the filling of the Holy Spirit. And do you feel a need for that? Do you have any passion in your heart for the Holy Spirit to control you? Because listen to me, this was the secret of power to the early Christians in the first century. They all learned this and they craved it. This was the secret of their great power. It's been the secret of of every Christian's great power. Can you imagine a young man in love with a nice, a nice girl? How passionate is he to be around her? Now, some of you fellas, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes or no? Boy, the room is quiet. Are you sure you're here with me? Let me adjust my controls here. There you are. Yeah, come on. Some of you, you're dating what was then, you know, to be your wife, and you're dating this wonderful girl, didn't you just have that desire to be around her? Hello? Oh, you're shy, aren't you? Fellas are shy. If I were to ask the ladies, they'd all nod and say, oh, yeah, yeah. They'd rib their husbands. Sure, yeah, yeah, he's, he's passionate. <laughs> well, usually, men are pretty passionate to be around the, the girl they love. A dear friend of mine named Mike, many, many years ago, taught me this lesson. Back in 1976, we shared an apartment together. 
And Mike, at the time, was dating a real nice Christian girl, and I could, I could tell that he really loved her. And one day, Mike had a real rough day at work, and he came home, and she called him. Now, please remember, this is before the days of cellular phones. There were no cell phones for us. They had landlines, landlines. And so uh, the phone rang. It was in the living room. I answered it. Oh, and I called to Mike. He had to come out of his bedroom all the way to the living room to answer the phone. You imagine that? How primitive can that be, huh? Wow. Boy, I tell you. We were so primitive back in 76. Yeah. So anyhow, Mike came out, and uh, he, he was really looking beat up. You know, he had a rough day. And he, he was hungry for her phone call, and he sat down, and he said, Hi. And I could tell he was needing and hungry and longing for her love and affection. And he ended up marrying that girl, and they got a great marriage all these many years. Well, about a year after, no more than two, I met the love of my life. And I experienced what Mike had experienced. And oh, I needed her affection and her support and her love. And folks, this is the way we ought to look upon the Holy Spirit. We ought to develop a passion, a love in our heart for this wonderful third person of the Trinity who's baptized us into the body of Christ, who's sealed us so we don't fall out. And he's done many other wonderful things that we don't have time to get into. He has the ability to take over and to really live a good life. How passionate do we want that? Some Christians, believe it or not, don't want that. They want to be the captain of their own destiny. Let them. But for those of us who really love the Lord and want to make our lives count, there's no other way. It's like getting to heaven. You can't get to heaven any other way but through Jesus. You ignore Him, you've ignored your only ticket to heaven. huh? And the Holy Spirit is the only way. There's no plan B. The Holy Spirit is the only way that we can live a life pleasing to God and bring forth fruit and have a real meaningful life. That's, that's what the Bible teaches us. Let me ask you, do you find life difficult at times? Are you something like that guy behind the steering wheel wondering when am I going to crash or go over the cliff? Do you ever feel that way about life? You go from one problem to the next. Maybe some of you here are not looking forward to Tuesday. Monday's a holiday, so Tuesday, oh, Praise the Lord, Monday's a holiday. I don't have to go to work on Monday, but oh, Tuesday, oh, I, I dread going into work. Have you ever dreaded going into work or going into school or having to come home, holding your report card behind your back? I hope they don't ask me. Has that ever happened to you? Of course not, has it? It has happened, hasn't it? And the Holy Spirit is there for us. But we just need to be passionate about this. Because I believe that if we want to have a life that's better than anything we've ever lived, we need to get the Holy Spirit in control. A young couple in love, they desire to be alone together. That's normal. Two young people in love, they want to be alone together to whisper sweet nothings and to get to know each other. And we ought to want to be alone with God in the prayer closet. You ought to be looking forward to your next opportunity to be with the Lord in the prayer closet, to be with the Holy Spirit. You know, you can talk to the Holy Spirit. He hears you. You can ask Him, Holy Spirit, would you please fill me? The Holy Spirit will not fill a dirty vessel. Oh, time out. 
Heavenly Father, cleanse me of anything worldly. Cleanse me of anything evil. Cleanse me of any sin. If there's any sin, show me. I'll confess it. Cleanse me. Father, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Because God doesn't fill dirty vessels. So get cleansed and get filled. And it kind of happens like that. Well, in the New Testament, there were all kinds of people. We don't have time to look at the New Testament examples, but there's a lot of them in the book of Acts. People who got filled with the Holy Spirit and preached the Word of God and lived for Jesus. There's a lot of them there. Even King David in the Old Testament knew what it was to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In Psalm 92, he said, I shall be filled with, uh, sorry, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Now in the Old Testament, when the prophet Samuel came and poured the anointing oil over, King da- over David's head when he was a boy, that's when the Holy Spirit came upon him. And it changed his life and he behaved so much better. But over time, he lost it. He needed it again. King David experienced it several times in his life. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. And it it was a reference to the filling of the Holy Spirit. These stories are but a drop in the bucket of what the Holy Spirit can and wants to do for you. But remember, being filled with the Holy Spirit is not spooky. You will not lose your mind. You will not lose your will and emotions. You will become more alive energized. Boy, the, the monster energy drinks have nothing on the Holy Spirit. If all the apostles had 2,000 years ago were monster energy drinks after they were threatened by the Sanhedrin and the council never to teach or preach in the name of Jesus and all they could do is take monster energy drinks, Christianity would have died that first century. But the Holy Spirit came in and energized these men and Beloved, that's what you and I need. We can't let our light shine properly without the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now, we've under, we understand what the filling of the Holy Spirit is, and I want to show you how we can be filled with the Holy Spirit, and it's so simple. Turn to the right, please. Go to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians and chapter number 5. Now, we were already in Ephesians. We're going back there. Chapter 5. I'm going to show you this scripture. I'm going to show you one other scripture. And then we're just about done. So, Ephesians chapter 5. And I'd like you to read out loud with me verse number 18. Ephesians 5 and 18. Please read it. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess but be filled with the Spirit. When a man takes alcohol and guzzles it down, he changes, doesn't he? Isn't that right? Sometimes he becomes very giddy and mellow. Sometimes he becomes very moody and angry, but he changes. It's the alcohol in him that's changing him. We're told here not to do that. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, controlled with the Spirit. As the alcohol might control a man, so let the Holy Spirit control the man. So now the man becomes bright. He becomes strong. Whereas before he was dull and weak, he's now bright and strong because of the Holy Spirit in him. 
And it's so easy. We're told here, actually, it's a command. It's not a suggestion. Paul doesn't say, I suggest you be filled with the Spirit. This is a command from God through the Apostle Paul to us. Be filled with the Spirit. It's a command for us to obey. We please God when we obey this command. And it's not complicated. It's, it's very simple. We simply do it. Um, the word filled, I need to point this out, but when it says be filled with the Spirit, in the Greek from which our English was translated, the Greek original is a present tense verb. And it's the idea of continually be filled. Be being filled. Always stay filled. Every day. It's not a once in a lifetime experience. It's not a once a month, once a week. It's really not even once a day. It's throughout the day. It's like breathing. You're supposed to breathe throughout the day. Amen? When you stop breathing throughout the day, something happens to you. Do you know what that is? You die, yes. You die. Breathing is good. Breathing is good. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is good. And when you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, then you're only filled with yourself. Or even worse, you're filled with yourself and the world. Or even worse, you're filled with yourself, the world, and the influences of the devil. So, can't have that. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You say, oh, how, how, how? You ask. You ask. James, in chapter 4, says, ye have not, because ye ask not. You know how many things we don't have simply because we're not asking? We need to ask. I want to show you one of the, what I think is one of the most incredible promises of God for the filling of the Holy Spirit. And it's back in the Gospel of Luke. I'd like you to turn there, please. Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. The Lord Jesus is trying to tell us that God our Father is very, very willing to give us good things, to give us proper things. He is willing to hear us and answer our prayers. Our problem, we're not asking. So I'd like you to look, please, at verse number 13. And I want you to read it out loud, please, with me now. Luke eleven thirteen. here we go. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? It's that simple. You ask the Father to fill you. Remember, he doesn't fill dirty vessels. You may have to do a little confessing of sin in your prayer closet. Get alone with God. Your prayer closet, alone with God. It's amazing how many Christians do not have an alone time with God. That's to our shame. We need to maintain and fight to maintain a time alone with God. We get alone with God, read the Bible, 
Get on your face before God. Ask Him to cleanse you. Ask Him to fill you. So what do I need the filling for? So that you can pray and pray down the power of God and pray the promises of God. And you need the Holy Spirit so you can live when you leave your prayer closet and go out into the world so you can live properly. We absolutely have to have the Holy Spirit. And when we get alone in the prayer closet, we may as well sing the song, Break me, melt me, mold me, fill me, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. It's my desire for everyone at Grace Baptist Church to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But you know it. There's one thing stopping the filling of the Holy Spirit. One thing will chop it, cut it, cold. And that's sin. In 1 Thessalonians 5.19, it simply says, quench not the Spirit. Quench not the Spirit. To quench is where you take water and pour it over, like a campfire. Quench that fire. Well, you take your cold water and pour it on the, the campfire. Psst, gone. Get some steam for a while, but it's gone. That's what sin does to the fire the Holy Spirit's trying to build in our hearts. When you get out of church, you know it feels pretty good. Not good that, hooray, it's over. You know, not that kind of good. But it feels good that we've been together. We've sung the praises. We've prayed. We've preached. Huh? We've made decisions in our heart. We've fellowshiped. And we go out. Boy, that felt good. And it should feel good. Like a nice Thanksgiving dinner should feel good. We should feel good when we leave this place. But what happens? The effects of the world, the flesh, and the devil quieten it down. Cool it off. The devil wants nothing more than to pour cold water on the Holy Spirit in your life. Sin will do that. When you get involved with sins of the mind or sins of the eyes, sins of the ears, listening to things you shouldn't, sins of the mouth, saying things you shouldn't, sins of the hand, sins of the foot, and going places you shouldn't go, doing things you shouldn't do. When you get involved with those, Holy Spirit is... The fire's dead. The Holy Spirit is now out of the driver's seat, into the passenger seat, and sometimes not even there. We push Him into the trunk. Sin is what does it. That's why we can't live with sin. It'll kill us. We've got to keep short accounts with sin. What do I do if I've sinned? You confess your sins because He's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. We need to keep short accounts with sin. Let me ask you one last time. Do you have any desire or passion for the Holy Spirit to fill your heart and live in you today and tomorrow and the day after and every day that you ask Him to? Do you have any desire? Would you stand to your feet, please? We're going to have a word of prayer together. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.